Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 54 of the J Situation podcast. I'm recording this on March 16th, 2021. Man, exciting day. Bus- busy day today. Are there any other types of days? <laughs> Not around here, man. Not around here. It, it seems like there's always something new going on. Uh, you know, people sometimes ask me, hey, Jay, do you like your job? And I say, yes, I do. It's, it's always something different. So there's always something something different I'm doing, um, some different problem I'm tackling. Uh, you know, and then I started Pew Science about two years ago. And then I launched this stuff publicly about a year ago or so. And, and now my days are even more exciting because it's like, I got stuff coming from everywhere sometimes. And, you know, what a time to be alive, I tell you what. <laughs> How much can one do in one's life before one is done doing things? We're going to find out, I think. We're going to find out. But don't, don't stress. This podcast is good to help you relax or maybe to accompany you on a drive. Uh, or a run, or a workout, or mowing the lawn. Um, Regardless, as always, the J Situation Podcast is brought to you by Pew Science. (laughs) Pushing the silencer industry forward one test at a time. Visit pewscience.com for the suppression rating, the simplest and most accurate hearing safe ratings for your suppressed small arms. The suppression rating is in Section 5, of the silencer sound standard. The standard walks you through gunshot noise. It's sort of like Wikipedia, but it's cooler because it's about silencer sound. There are now seven parts to the standard. They're all on PewScience.com for you to read. And, you know, if you haven't seen the standard yet, it's totally okay. You can skip directly to the suppression rating in Section 5. It lets you know how silencers stack up comparison to one another with regard to the sound at the muzzle and at the shooter's ear. And it gives you a hearing safe dose limit for the particular platforms on which they're tested. You're not going to find this information anywhere else in the world, guys, I promise. I've looked, and that's why I'm doing it. It's just not anywhere else. The sixth section of the standard, and that's where you're going to get all the reviews, all right? That's all the nitty-gritty stuff. You can check those out on PewScience.com. And you know what? If it's too much for you, if it's too much information, that's understandable. You know, sometimes you're in a hurry. You don't got a lot of time to read. You say, Jay, what's the bottom line up front? I say, say no more, fam. Head to the ranking section in section seven. All right, pewscience.com slash rankings, or you just go to you know section seven there on the website. That is uh, pretty much a simple database tool in a table there, and uh, it lets you sort and view the suppression ratings of all the publicly released test data to date. You know, inside the table there, there are links to individual reviews uh, there in the database, so you can go wild. You know, you, you go in there, you, you see something you like, you say, oh, maybe I click on a link there. You go down, and you can drill down to your heart's content. It is a data lover's paradise. As always, if you are a manufacturer and you would like to use PewScience for private testing, perhaps, or consulting services, there is a form on the website with which you can submit that inquiry your contact information, and uh, all test data will be held in strict confidence, unless, of course, you would like to release that data to the public, 
in which case PewScience can certainly help you do that. Uh, we have done that uh, several times. Um, some folks have pursued private testing with us and then they like to you know, release their data to the public and we uh, are happy to facilitate that for them. You can actually see some of those reviews on the website so far. Um, some uh, CGS reviews, some Richmond Tactical stuff. Uh, those are some Pew Science clients uh, that have released some of their data to the public there. Um, that is you know, their data, but it is public now. So it is there on the website. You can support this podcast, Pew Science, and our testing by joining at PewScience.com with a membership. You know, you can do that and you support everything we do. It's a, it's a great help. This is run by members. It is a public research cooperative. You can also help by, uh, you know, rating the podcast with a good rating on your, your favorite podcast provider there. Uh, you can, uh, by doing that, what you're, what you're really doing is you're letting folks know, you know, you're letting iTunes know, you're letting the general public know that silencers and guns are awesome. And when you do that, our numbers grow by the day. You see, it's all about spreading education, really. I think the more the more people that understand silencers and suppress small arms, uh, the more normalized they become, and uh, you know, the more access to them we'll have. I think that's the general philosophy um, with regard to uh, consumer acceptance uh, at large. Okay, so uh, today, uh, four topics for you. It's a it's a little bit of a I'm going to try something a little different today. Um, first topic: um, upcoming testing. And uh, maybe a new sound signature review this week. I do. I uh, uh, to keep with the schedule. I do. Um, I did plan on releasing some data for you this week, uh, but it, it, we'll see. That that may or may not happen. Topic two: listener questions. Man, I got a ton. I got a ton of questions when I recently solicited some from you folks on social media. So I'll take a stab at answering the first group of those. Not going to get to them all, but we're going to get to some. Uh, topic three, new manufacturer support for Pew Science. Uh, that keeps coming in, and I tell you what, big deal today. I'll tell you about that. It's an honor. I would like to speak about it uh, briefly. Topic four, welcome to all the new consumer Pew Science members. Thank you for your support. Okay, let's see. We're going to get to topic one at a time of six minutes and 34 seconds. Yeah, upcoming testing and new sound signature review this week, possibly, maybe. <laughs> well, testing is imminent, I tell you what. Um, you know, barring acts of God uh, and 2021, whatever you want to call it, because at this point, surprises are no longer surprises. Um, yeah, barring, barring anything crazy, it should happen soon. Uh, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Been checking weather. I am... I am optimistic. I am excited to get back out in the field, collect some good data for analysis back in the laboratory. Um, it should be great. It should be great. Um, so yeah, that's. I just wanted to give you guys an update. I'd like to update you on that things are actually happening. Uh, I do actually do things uh, for Pew Science. <laughs> um, with regard to the sound signature review, I I actually have started on an article for you for this week. But due to my insane schedule last week, I really I needed a short break, guys. I did. I so I I haven't had a chance to progress on the article a lot, and actually a lot of the front end work on the article um, with regard to analysis that I was performing was taking forever. 
on Sunday night, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is taking forever. And I, it's actually, I, I to tell you the truth here, so it's it's actually going to show some data, you some types of data you've never seen before. And so I'm really trying to take my time with it and to understand how to really best present it to you and to avoid confusion, if that makes sense. And so that's, that's really all I can say right now. Like what I don't, I don't want to tell what I don't want to do. I don't want to tell you what it is because if I tell you and then I decide to scrap it, then you're going to be like, Oh man. So I'd rather just not even tell you what it is. And then that way, like if I don't do it, then you'll just be like, Oh, why didn't you do it? I'm like, ah, cause I, cause it sucked. And you'll be like, okay, thanks. You know what I mean? Like you're just gonna have to trust me. Like I'm not going to lead you astray. But just know that I am trying. We'll see um, how far I get. If I can, if I can do it before the end of the week, I will. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it the old college try. But I can't promise anything. If it doesn't come this week at the typical time, maybe it'll be Friday or something, or maybe next week. I don't know. It'll come. And if it doesn't, I get something else eventually. So okay, you know these take, things take time sometimes. So we can't, you can't, you can't bat a thousand every day apparently all right let's go let's go to topic two at a time of nine minutes and 25 seconds okay yeah this is exciting so topic two listener questions i got a ton dude like i'm gonna take a stab at them i man you guys really hammered the questions and you know what you did so in in a very professional manner, for the most part, almost every question I received was extremely thoughtful. Like it was a real question. Um, there were a few flippant or throwaway questions, you know, which I knew was going to happen. But uh, there were very few of those, and I, I greatly appreciated that. I was like, "Wow, you guys are not wasting my time." So it, it seems to me that this really speaks to the type of audience engaged with Pew Science on social media. Okay. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> so that's cool. You know, that, that is cool. It's, you know, do you guys that listen to this podcast and do you folks that follow me on social media represent a large cross section of the firearms community? Oh, yes and no. I, I think, I think you, you definitely represent a cross section. Is it, a cross-section that's representative of a larger uniform cross-section of the community? Probably not. I think I, I think the Pew Science members are a little bit of a cut above. I think you guys are a little more data-driven. I think you're a little more educated, typically. You're more interested. You're more focused. Um, and so, you know, are, are your opinions and your desires, you know, mirrored across the entire industry? Maybe not. Is it is the stuff you're interested in becoming more widespread? I think so. I think so. And um, so what I'm going to do, I, I'm going to open up the spreadsheet I created with all your questions. I'm going to hit like the first quarter or like the first third of these questions today because I am. we are not going to get, there, there's no way we're going to even get to half of these today. There's no way. Um, so trust me on that one. So, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. All right, let me see. I made a, I made a spreadsheet. Man, Microsoft Excel. Well, 
you guys remember, did you ever, before before Microsoft Office, did you ever use Lotus stuff, like Lotus Notes and like Lotus 1, 2, 3? Are you guys old enough to remember that? You remember WordPerfect? <laughs> oh, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, let's go to the, <laughs> you're like, wow. Okay, boomer. That's basically what you're saying to me right now. I'm not a boomer. I'm not that old. Like Generation Y. Is that what they call that? Generation X and Generation Y. I think I'm Y. Okay, question one. We're going to start. We're going to see how far we get. Hit maybe 20 or so, 25. All right, question one. And to preface this, I'm not reading anyone's. And I, you know what? In the spreadsheet, I didn't even put your name. So this truly is sanitized. I couldn't tell you who asked what. I had it in my Instagram, but I was like, you know what? And by the way, for those of you who don't have social media, these questions were solicited from Instagram. Like I did a story and I was like, ask me a question and I'll answer on the podcast. And and the dam broke and you guys definitely delivered. Question one. Thoughts on end caps. Specific example. Is a 556 end cap worthwhile? for a 30 caliber silencer like the Sam NS? Okay, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think a 5.56 end cap can definitely pay dividends in certain situations. Um, you, you need to understand that by using a smaller orifice size on the exit aperture of the silencer, your flow rate is going to change, okay? You're, you're going to increase the back pressure in the system. This does make the system quieter. Sometimes noticeably so. The issue you're, you're going to run into is how the back pressure is influencing your host weapon. With a properly tuned rifle, it's it's actually going to buy you performance on some silencers. Um, on a rifle without adequate inertial resistance, like for example, if if your buffer is too light, you like, uh, and we're talking AR-15 platform by the way, because this guy asked five five six. Okay, I'm I'm assuming he's talking about the Stoner system, the AR-15, uh, and I'm going to assume it's a gas-operated rifle, right? So either direct impingement or piston, it applies to both. Um, so if, if if your if your buffer is too light, you you might make the weapon unlock earlier with the five five six end cap, um, and it might do that in a way that's just a little too fast. So the pressure in the barrel might still be a little too high at the time of unlock, due to the unlocking happening a little too early. Okay. So in those cases, sticking with the 30 caliber end cap might be better for the shooter, for the signature at your ear. It might be. Now, in almost all cases, the 5.56 end cap will make the silence quieter to bystanders. Um, I haven't tested all setups, but this is certainly the case with some silencers. That I have verified this. I have not tested this on the Sam NS specifically. Um, it's important to note, one thing that's really important to note, is that the Sam NS is a large aperture silencer to reduce back pressure. Okay, I I don't even know what episode I talked about the Sam NS on. Probably a couple way back when when I tested it last year. Um, but 
you know, that is wh why the SAM NS is designed the way it is. By putting a 5.56 end cap on the SAM NS, you're, you're going to try to make it do something it's not designed to do. And it, it might quiet it down, but I'm not sure of the efficiency in doing that when compared, for example, with something like the Rugged Razor, for instance. It's a different type of silencer. Um, I can tell you, actually, to be frank with you, um, with a properly tuned gun, you put a 5.56 end cap on the Rugged Razor. Um, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but that is actually going to help in a... Uh, that's gonna that's gonna buy you a couple of points on that. I think you're getting a drink of water here. Okay, I hope that I hope that answer your your question, sir or ma'am. Um, oh, and by the way, guys, I am going in order. I am literally going in in order with from the questions asked. The only questions that aren't going to be an answered are ones that were. Like the the just the very few that were nonsense that I didn't that I'm not gonna I'm just not gonna respond to because there's no reason. Okay, so I hope I hope that answers that question. Um, question two: Can a Scar Twenty S be suppressed? Best can. I have a Silencer Co hybrid in jail. Thoughts. Love the info. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate uh, your kind words. Um, so can the SCAR 20S be suppressed? Yes. it's It most certainly can be suppressed. Um, I don't have a good technical or maybe a, a, definitive, a definitive technical answer for you, but you do have a silencer with a larger bore. You mentioned the hybrid, the silencer called hybrid. That I think that is a that's a silencer that I th think I want to say it has a forty six caliber bore. So I want to say it's way larger than the caliber of interest on the Scar twenty S. Um, so that's going to be oversized for the bore. Um, that's going to theoretically help with flow restriction theoretically over a, a comparable silencer of tighter bore. Um, so that's going to help reduce some back pressure to which this weapon system may be sensitive, okay? That is, when I say that, what I'm saying is the, the weapon system itself may be sensitive in its design envelope to increased impulse in the system. All right, that, so that's good you have a hybrid for that. You, you, what you might want to do, in fact, I encourage you to do, you may also need to check out the gas system adjustment on that rifle. I don't have in for you, info for you right in, on, that, on that right now. I just don't. Um, but I know the systems can be adjusted. Um, so, so please look into that before you suppress your rifle. I do not want you breaking your scar. It will be better to try to operate the rifle with not enough gas impulse than with too much gas impulse, okay? Always remember that. If you undergas your rifle, you're going to have a good day. You do not want to overgas your rifle. Um, you, you can break a rifle. You can break an AR-15, but you, uh, I, I'm telling you, you can break a SCAR easier. And you know what's really interesting about that? I just spoke with FN today. He manufactures the scar and it just 
this is just a serendipitous, you know, I, in fact, like about an hour ago, I got off the phone with them. Um, so, and I'll, I'll speak about that later, later in this episode as a follow on topic, but yeah. So for your scar, sir, um, for now, focus on the gas adjustability and let's talk about it. You and I, so go ahead and email me after do some research on, on the gas adjustability for the scar 20 S yourself. Okay. See what you can find. See what different, you know, ask around, ask, ask your scar people, ask in, in what you, what you do after you find that information. I want you to send me an email tech at pewscience.com. We'll talk about it. All right. Okay. Don't do anything drastic. Just do your, do your homework and get in contact with me. All right. All right. All right. Topic three, or I <laughs> see, I'm in like in a cadence. Like, topic three, question three, have you tested silencers on a 12 and a half inch barrel 308? If not, do you plan to? Hmm. You know, I have not yet. I have not. I do plan to. Yes, I would say I do plan. I mean, I, I do. I would like to. I feel that, in fact, I do feel that for many hunting distances, 12 and a half inch 308 can be handy when suppressed. That's a good, you know, now that I think about it. You know, word of warning, though, something to think about. That's about, what is that, seven and a half inch shorter than a 20 inch 308? Yeah, so that's seven and a half inch shorter than a 20 inch 308. Man, you lose that amount of barrel length, you're going to ramp up your muzzle pressure, buddy. You, you know that, right? You are not done. That explosion is coming fast. And for suppressed performance on things like that, you're really going to need a silencer that can, A, handle the pressure without exploding or deforming or bulging the tube. And don't think it can't happen with a major brand silencer because absolutely you will blow up a silencer, you will bulge a tube. And it, and and I'm not even going to say I the multiple multiple major manufacturer silencers will be destroyed with that pressure. You better you better be gosh darn sure you're okay on 12 and a half inch 308, buddy. You you need to contact the manufacturer. You're going to have a bad time. And, and I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm also not, I'm not going to blow your skirt up and tell you you're going to be okay. All the, all the quote unquote full auto rating in the world is going to help you if your silencer bulges. <laughs> okay. Like a lot of this stuff is not even engineered, frankly. A lot of these guys are using rules of thumb they found in a book or on the internet. So I'm tell you that. I mean, I'm not trying to be negative here, but okay. So that, so that's a, your first, your first order of business when you want to suppress something like that you better be dang sure you're going to be safe second thing um you're going to want a silencer that can deal with the high pressure gases in a way that actually results in effective suppression um as far as current technology goes for this man 12 and a half inch 308 i would probably hmm, i would lean towards something coaxial like an Omega Baffle, CGS Hyperion stuff, maybe a Dead Air Nomad type of baffle. Not the Nomad TI. I think that would probably blow up on this, right? Like, I don't think there's any way that would withstand this. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe you need the Steel Nomad. I don't know what the barrel the, the barrel length. To, I wouldn't put the titanium one on there. Um, 
the, I'm just talking about the baffle design. You, what you're going to need to do is you, you're going to need a, a baffle that, or rather you're going to need a silencer that can handle super high pressure flow without the flow getting, getting in its own way. That's um, what I think you're going to need. Um, you could probably put a Q silencer on there. It's probably not going to perform as well as some of this other stuff, but you could do it. It's, I don't think it'll blow up. I'm not 100% on that, but I don't think it will. So, yeah. So, you know, those the that type of silencer technology, it's going to deal with the high pressure well, I think, in the design envelope, the coaxial stuff. Um, keep in mind that the silencer may explode and cause injury if the pressure is too high. Don't don't let people tell you that silencers won't hurt you. You know, a lot of manufacturers they they'll they'll tell you they haven't seen that you know, oh, it'll just go down range. Well, yeah, it'll just go down range until it doesn't and then it hits the guy next to you in the head. So, okay. Question 4. <laughs> Not to scare you, buddy. I hope that so, long story short, have I tested uh, on 12 and a half inch through eight? No. Will I? Probably. Not right now. Um, if you're looking for something for that short, follow my advice. Go with something that can deal with high pressure. You're gonna be you're, you're gonna have a good time doing that. You probably put a put a, a Helios or a Hyperion on there. You're gonna be, you're gonna have a good time probably. At least as good a time as you're gonna have with anything else. Uh, question four. Mounts, pros, and cons. You know what I should do before I keep going with this? I need to look at the time. I need to have this these windows on my computer arranged in a certain way that I can't see what I'm doing. One second. Okay, we're good. We're good, fam. Okay, let me just kind of... Sorry, this is like such a new format for me, so I'm like still learning what I'm doing here. Okay. Yeah, so question four. Mounts... Pros and cons. Direct thread, direct taper thread, QD stuff, and so on. It's a good topic, you know, for discussions. I guess it's not really a question. I guess he, this gentleman's asking me, you know, what what are the pros and cons of those things? Well, the first one, direct thread. So, direct thread. Pro, okay, the pro, simple. Less tolerances to worry about. Um, you leave it on the gun. Simple, simple, simple. Um, no mount to buy, so it's probably cheaper. Um, generally, or, well, it'll pro- your sounds will probably come with a direct thread mount, so it's probably cheaper most of the time. Uh, generally good alignment because of these things, generally. Um, so generally your point of impact uh, shift repeatability um, and your accuracy is generally better than uh, using a mount, uh, uh, an external mount system. So that's can be better. Those are so, so there's some pros. Um, con, uh, it can come unscrewed unless you have a good way of tightening it, um, which, you know, some direct thread silencers have wrench flats, so that's cool. But 90 degree shoulders. Unless you can tighten it with a wrench. I don't know, man. Maybe throw some Teflon tape on there or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you're just going to have to be careful. You, you know, you need to know what you're doing. All right? Just keep that in mind. Now, another con. 
there there's oftentimes no visual indication the silencer is loosened unless what you could do you could draw a little you could use paint pen or something and what you could do you could draw a match mark on the barrel or gun in the silencer is what you could do right so it's an option i mean when you think about it uh the other one you asked about direct thread taper so a pro to that would be all the pros of the direct thread obviously because it's still direct thread but it doesn't have the con of unscrewing as as easily never say never but as easily right so it's it's almost better in every possible way than a non-tapered barrel really almost um you know better alignment better accuracy won't come unscrewed the con well you got to have your barrel barrel tapered so that can be a pain um also, there's no, again, there's no visual indication the silencer is loosened unless you draw match marks. But in contrast with the 90 degree shoulder direct thread, the chances of it loosening are way lower. So, and you know, I mean, I think direct thread is just the best way to mount a silencer, honestly. It really is. I mean, uh, and tapering is probably the best. It probably is. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I've said this before, but. Q, I do like QD for some reason. So, well, I mean, let's talk about that. So QD stuff, what's the pro on that? Okay. Um, one of the pros is that there's a muzzle device on the barrel. All right. So, or multiple barrels. And so you can swap silencers between the guns easily. Like even if they have different barrel thread pitches, that could be useful for you. You feel me? Like let's let's say you have oh I don't know a three oh eight hunting rifle and a five five six you know defense or fun rifle and you have one thirty caliber silencer because you're trying to control cost well if it's QD then I don't know use a like a rugged like let's say you have okay let's say you have a rugged surge. And you want to put it on, in the short configuration, you run it on your AR with your adjustable gas box because it has a little bit of high back pressure, whatever, but you're using a rugged mount on your rifle, on your AR, then you can you can put it on your bolt gun, your 308 bolt gun with another rugged mount, and it's just swap, swap, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and then you never have to mess with, you know, anything else it's just like there's one mount it's locked it's on there it's unlocked it's out off there it's like easy and you could that way like you if you like let's say you're going on a hunting trip you go with your hunting trip you got your bolt gun to shoot your deer and then at night you want to shoot pigs with your ar with your thermal on it you get done hunting in the day you take your silencer off of your bolt gun you put it on your ar and you just so happens you had already zeroed your ar for the silencer so it's like, and you're not going to shoot your your AR without the silencer because you're not a savage. So you you know you take your your, <laughs> your silencer off of your other gun, you put it on the other one, and you're fine. I mean, I did that. I've done that before. Like that's a real use case, and the reason I use it, and I, I you pro, some of you probably heard me say that before, is because it's real. That's a real that's a, that's a real benefit of QD, and that has nothing to do with how secure the mount is. That has nothing to do with how accurate it is. That has nothing to do with anything except for economy and convenience. You see how things can influence consumers? Isn't that interesting? 
Like some people are missing that part. It's like, I understand the, the desire for that. Now, is that the best thing to do? Absolutely not. The best thing to do is have a silencer for every gun. You think this is a game? <laughs> no, but the best thing to do is have a silencer for every gun, obviously. I mean, you want to have the best silencer for every gun. That's the goal for your life. But sometimes your goals may differ than others. So, yeah, that's a pro of QD now. Another pro is that oftentimes the method of attachment is very secure. As long as you have a good mount, there are some QDs that are a little too Q, a little too, they're too quick. They will not, they're not quick detached. They are detached, detached, and those, they will fly off. <laughs> that's bad. Um, some are better than others, and that's a whole other episode. I don't want to get into that right now. That's not what this guy asked. So, um, so yeah, that's, that can be a problem. That can be a, a pro because it's secure, but it can also be a con. Some other cons. Tolerance stacking. Anytime you're adding other pieces, you better be gosh darn sure that those are machined correctly within tolerance for your weapon system. You, the more you stack, because you, you're gonna, what are you gonna do? You, some of these things are third-party QD. So what? You're taking a silencer by manufacturer A. You're putting a mount in the back from manufacturer B, and then a and then the muzzle device from manufacturer B or C and threading it to a uh, a barrel from manufacturer E or F or whatever letter I left off on, left off on so you better i mean so you got you got what do you got you got concentricity issue between the 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 barrel threading and the bore which then stacks to the muzzle device, which then stacks to the mount, which then stacks to the silencer. You better be sure, homie. You feel me? Okay, so you better be sure. Another con, possibly for QD stuff, is cost, because you got to buy the mounts. So if you're a consumer and you're cost conscious, those mounts are going to get expensive in a hurry. and um, That's by design. Those things are made to make money. Uh, silencer mounts are a margin item. The the silencer they're not they're not regular regulated parts. So silencer manufacturers are making money hand over fist with those things. Trust me. So um, another con is possibly higher back pressure depending on the mount type. You can completely change the function of your silencer with a with a different mount with a QD mount. We we're seeing that more and more. So so yeah i hope that gives you i hope i answered your question sir that is um, a lot of stuff that's a lot to think about and i know i might have uh, gone a little crazy but you did ask so okay question five. Oh, oh suspected perform oh okay i i was reading it and i let me read it in a way that will make sense for folks um what is the suspected performance of 30 caliber silencers on 5.56 versus a dedicated 5.56 silencer uh, on 5.56, I guess you would say. So, okay, so this guy's asking, um, what do I think is going to happen in the performance gap between when you put a 30 caliber can on a 5.56 gun or a dedicated 5.56 can on a on a 5.56 gun. So what is the effective bore size essentially is what this gentleman is asking. 
One second. Okay, so um, I'm I, I'm going to tell you right now. It's going to depend on the host weapon. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to depend on the host weapon and the silencer. The reality is, um, five five six bores are going to trap more gas. All other things equal. Now that's an important part of that sentence. Don't isolate that and say, "Oh, Jay said five five six bores are going to trap more gas." Jay said, "Jay said, no, 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 no. All other things equal." Meaning. Baffle design equal, everything else equal, 556 five, bores are going to trap more gas. Um, if your host can deal with that, um, there is a potentially a very high performance dividend yield. But I do need to do more testing. With something like the CGS stuff or, um, or some of the maybe less advanced coaxial designs, you may be able to open up the bore without much performance degradation it's really going to depend uh, and with, with with regard to sound performance um i venture to guess a silencer like the the hopi for example which is a defunct short run silencer that none of you have maybe like one or two of you listening have one um that's a 556 five, bore like omega type baffle silencer um that one on a properly tuned tuned host that might be real quiet for the cartridge. I, we're gonna have to find out. I'm gonna have to test. I'm gonna have to test it. I will test it, by the way. Um, th- that is one of the major curiosities for five five six testing. I think for the entire industry, because I have not seen good data on this at all. And frankly, we know host is gonna matter. But when your host is good, just how much better can a five five six silencer be? And does it is it gonna matter? That's a good question. So I'm sorry, sir. I'm not giving you a definitive answer on this, but. Hey, I guess you're going to know when I know, roughly. I mean, because I'm, I mean, I'm curious, too. Okay, um, let's see. Question six. How, gosh, we did six? We're in uh, 38 minutes. Oh, okay, well. All right, let's keep, keep trucking. <laughs> Question six. Why is the overall suppression rating generally higher than both the muzzle rating and the at-ear rating? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. So the overall suppression rating is a composite number, okay? It's meant to be a single number rank to delineate the performance of an entire suppressed weapon system so it can be compared to other systems. Um, the physical significance is more complicated and it's it's actually more complicated than I'm willing to explain on this podcast. But suffice to say, please use the muzzle and the ear ratings for your use cases as your guide. Okay, that's why they're there. I made a decision early on. Some of you um, early adopters and early supporters of Pew Science will remember when I actually started showing you the muzzle and ear ratings. Um, that was for a for a um, consumer safety reason and for a um, just for a technical, some technical reasons, I think it's just a better way to do it. Um, it's less confusing. So just please use the muzzle and ear ratings for your use cases as your guide. If you're just looking at general sound performance, if you see something with a super high rating, and if you're only looking at composite ratings, that's meant to grab your attention and be like, oh, that's loud. Oh, that's quiet. As an overall system. But if you want to know, really, if you're the shooter or a bystander, 
you're going to need to look at the muzzle and the ear separately. And I tell you what, all of you who think that there's some, frankly, uh, especially consumers, some some of you guys are like, well, why would anyone ever be concerned with the muzzle rating? All I ever care about is the ear. When And there's just as many other people that say, why would anyone care about the ear rating? I'm only concerned about the muzzle. You see what I mean? So just because you think your data and what you're interested in is the most important does not mean it is. There are there are equal people there are equal amounts of people that care about things that you don't care about. So that's why there's both the muzzle and ear and and the composite rating is a composite rating. That's that's uh, as far as that's the most detail I'm going to go into for you. So good question. I hope that helps you. Question seven. Please just talk about Lage. <laughs> oh, Lage. Um, what do you want to know, man? Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post a photo of my Lage Doubt M11.9 is what I'm going to do. Just for you, buddy. I'm going to post a photo of my submachine gun for you with this podcast. Let it be known that question seven of this uh, Pew Science uh, mid-March 2021 solicit, uh, question solicitation uh, question seven is responsible for the photo selection uh, of this podcast in which a uh, a uh, M11-9 submachine gun with a Lage uh, Max 11 SK upper will be posted for your viewing pleasure. Richard Lage is a godsend, frankly, to the Mac community, guys. I don't even know. If you guys don't, first of all, if you guys don't have a submachine gun, like if you don't have an automatic weapon, buy one. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, what? What, you don't have eight grand or whatever it is now? Like, okay, cool. Save. Save your money and get one because what? You're going to, you what? You think they're going to get cheaper? They're not going to get cheaper. Buy one now, dude. What, are they even 10? They might be 10 now. I don't even know. I remember when they were like two. And I'm, I'm, and I'm like not old. Like they, they were, God. I mean, you could probably get them for like 300 bucks like a while back, but those times are gone and you're probably going to pay between seven and $10,000 for one, but you get to shoot bullets real fast like, and that's uh, important for growing big and strong. Now, um, the, the late, uh, on a more serious note, um, the Lage accessories, the, uh, the, the Mac, the Mac family of submachine guns. It, the 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 registered part is the receiver, and so what Richard Lage has done is he's created, um, he has created a series of upper receiver assemblies to interface with the registered part, um, thus drastically enhancing the function of these old '80s folded stamp steel machine guns. Um, they fire from open bolt. Um, so that means if you cock the weapon, the bolt's sitting there, you, you pull the trigger, the bolt, the bolt with a firing pin that's fixed in the firing, the, the, the firing pin is fixed to the bolt. It does not float, does not move like an AR. It is chilling. That bolt flies forward, pushes the round from the magazine into the chamber, fires it, comes back, it's ready to pull the trigger again. It's the weirdest recoil impulse ever if you never shot an open bolt gun um, but it was really it's really great um 
because you know the the rounds don't sit in the chamber so you're not going to do any cook-offs when you just go ham which is kind of cool and 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 i have a tungsten bolt in mine that you'll see when i post the picture which is really heavy because tungsten is a very dense metal um you know has a very high weight for its volume that's what density would mean and um and so and you know it operates on inertia right so the higher inertia you have the longer it takes to to, to, to move from rest. And so it slows the rate of fire down. It's like a clack, 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 you know what I'm saying? Clack, clack. And so you put a silencer on, it's like clack, 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 instead of clackety clack. Cause if you know, when you, uh, when you shoot a Mac in stock form without, without a, a heavy bolt, it is so fast and, and some would say uncontrollable in some platforms. I mean, you can actually get something called a Mac Jack and you can just, dude, you can, you it's, it's a bullet hose, frankly, but when you put a lay jumper on it, it really can, it helps you control it because it's much more ergonomic. It has different grips and stuff, just really nice. Picatinny rails, it's all fancy. Uh, and the, you know, the little charging handle on the side, it's non-reciprocating, it's really nice. And then um, it's really cool. And then you put the, you put the tungsten bolt in there and it's just like, it's just really, really controllable. And it's just a joy. There's a 22 conversion kits for them. There's all kinds of stuff. It's hard to find some of that stuff now, but you can find it. If you, if you, if you put your mind to it, you can find it. Um, you know, so that's what Richard Lage makes that stuff. Lage manufacturing, shout out to Richard Lage. He's probably not listening to this. He's probably too busy making parts, but, uh, yeah, he makes old eighties machine guns, super shootable and fun and controllable. He's talented and he does a good job. He's a legend. Um, I, I think that's did that. Did I do your your your, your question slash demand justice, sir? Please just talk about Lage. Well, fine. Okay, I did. Okay. Uh, question eight. Okay, this is one of those I almost didn't put this in the spreadsheet because it wasn't a question. It's like Gemtech GMT Halo. Okay, like that's all the put person put in here. So it's not a question. And I haven't tested the silencer, so not to be rude, but look, dude, like I'm putting effort into these answers. So you got tell you what, man, you got to put some more effort into this question. Like, are you asking how it performs? Or like, are you asking how this thing mounts? Like, I don't, dude, to tell you the truth, I, I kind of know, but like to, to tell you enough about it, I'm going to have to research it. So without me knowing exactly what you want to know, I am not going to delve into that because I don't want to waste my time because I could be answering something completely irrelevant to your question. So if you want to go ahead and like shoot me an email or maybe if you want to rephrase that, send that in again, maybe we can revisit. But um, I'm pretty sure, oh, God, I'm you know the help the the helper in me wants to Google this right now and figure it out right now, but I'm not going to take away from the time we have to answer these other questions. So please don't take that as a as a jab at you, sir. Um, I do respect you. However, um, this is not conducive to uh, the flow of the podcast. Uh, question nine: Stainless steel and aluminum pistol silencers versus titanium pistol silencers why are they still making aluminum cans why are they still making aluminum silencers yeah see i read i okay see i didn't read it i read it how i would read it if i had written it 
he said stainless steel and aluminum pistol cans versus titanium cans. Why are they still making aluminum cans? I think he's just, I think we're just talking about pistol silencers here. I think that's what this gentleman is asking. So, why are they still making aluminum cans? Because aluminum is a great material for sil for silencers. That's why. Aluminum in general is it's great material in general. It's light. It's strong. It's easily mach machinable. You know, if you can design a system using it properly, it's, it can last a lifetime. Aluminum's great. I don't know what it is with the people not wanting aluminum. Um, not, it's not always the best, but it can be good. You know, for pistol silencers, the only components that really need to be steel. If, if we're just, if we're just talking about pistol silencers right now, like, and forget it. You know, all you all you millennials with your this is a pistol because it has a brace. Enough. Enough. When I say the word pistol in this, I'm talking about a handgun, like a normal person. Like, relax. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm I'm just it's so exhausting to have to say that every time. And I know I have to say it because there are literally like hundreds of people who are like, but no, actually, <laughs> yeah, that, you know that all the actually folks. <laughs> actually, didn't you know, Jay, that there are pistols with with brace? Okay, relax. For a pistol silencer, the only components that really need to be steel really are the blast baffle and sometimes maybe the next baffle or so. And yeah, you got you know you got the the boost the inertial decoupler piston and stuff. Um, you know, in the spring and some stuff like that. But uh I mean, if it's gonna be a hard use silencer or have like a high round count on a short pistol barrel. You're gonna want to. You're gonna want a, a a stainless steel blast baffle. You're gonna want maybe the next baffle being steel. Not always. Maybe. Um, you know the thing. Is, the thing about this short barrel, like short pistol. No, this is a better way to say that. Short pistol barrels throw a lot of hot, unburnt powder at the blast baffle, and aluminum blast baffles can erode a little faster than you want if you're gonna be shooting a lot. Okay, that's the reason why we put stainless steel uh, blast baffles in, in pistol silencers. That's the, the main reason. Um, if you're shooting on a submachine gun, this is especially true, frankly. Um, but aluminum isn't that bad. It really isn't. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be harder to clean than stainless steel, for example, because it's, it's easier to damage when cleaning the aluminum. You can damage aluminum in an ultrasonic if you don't do it right. You can damage aluminum with some harsh cleaners. Um, but, you know, it's not the end of the world necessarily depending on your use case. You can you can clean aluminum. Um, there's all kinds of ways. And, you know, for pistol silencers, you know, the weight savings of aluminum or stainless steel... I'm sorry. The weight savings of aluminum over stainless steel can be significant, dude. The density is just way different. I mean, is it is aluminum as ductile as steel? No. Is it as strong as steel? No. Is it as um, stiff as steel? No. I mean, I guess it theoretically can have higher yield strength than, than some steels. But it's 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 all it's it's not going to be as it's not going to be as stiff. It's gonna have it's gonna have a lower modulus. 
So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You, you, you need to design. This is important. Engineers need to design this. You can't just be picking materials for no reason. Now, you asked about titanium, too. Now, it's a different animal. It's a different animal. It has a lighter weight than steel. Um, but it can have higher strength than aluminum. And, you know, for pistol silencers, it's actually, you know, titanium is actually rather attractive. It's rather attractive for, for pistols, pistol silencers. Now, if you get it super duper, super duper hot, it's going to lose strength. Um, but most pistol silencers don't get super, super hot. And so I see titanium as a super, super, super good material. <laughs> I'm done with that word. I see it as a good material for, for pistol silencers. Now, it's expensive, though. And so that can be an issue in their trade-offs. So with any material, it's all about the design parameters. Try not to focus on the material as much as the implementation of the material. You know, sadly, many silencers, almost all silencers are not designed by engineers with true mechanics backgrounds. And so, you know, or, or rather, or or in ad additionally, mechanics of materials backgrounds. So you never know what you're going to get. And oftentimes things are over-designed due to folks just not knowing what they're doing. So that's a problem too. Um, you know, it's but which is better than under-designed. You know, because a silencer can kill a bystander if it comes apart. I said that earlier. Despite what the manufacturers will tell you, a silencer can kill can kill you. It's almost as if they need professional standards. Hmm. Well, I hope they answer your question, man. So your question, your end question was, why are they still making aluminum cans? It's because you don't. It's because you don't need steel or titanium sometimes. I tell you what, you, you, for a pistol silencer, dude, pick up a pistol, put a silencer on the end of it, shoot it. You may think, oh, I don't care about the weight. It's okay. Yeah. But then you shoot, you shoot, a you shoot aluminum pistol silencer, a good one. And you'll be like, oh dude, that feels so much better. It was like, yeah. Cause it's like not throwing off the balance of your gun. I mean, to each its own, dude. You don't need. I'm not telling you every all your your pistol sponsors need to be aluminum. I'm just saying you asked why they're still making them, and it's because there's not a, there's not a good case for not making them. You know, with 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 material selection and proper design, I think you can, I think you can do a good job. What is that? Question nine, and we are an hour in. Holy, holy crap. I'm going to keep going. Um, question 10. Plan to text any Rex Salentium products. They seem to be growing in popularity. Yeah. I, 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 I'd agree with that, that they do seem to be growing in popularity from, like, Instagram. And I see, I've seen some folks ask about them on Reddit. I mean, that's how I'm seeing the popularity, I guess, qualitative. I mean, I haven't done any quantitative metrics so i can't really can't really corroborate that statement um although i i would i guess i would agree with you that they do seem to be growing in popularity that's probably true um you know rex Salentium has not reached out to pew science and you know there are silencers that are i know much more popular than rex Salentium stuff and i haven't even tested these yet as part of public testing. So like, I'm sure I'm going to get to the rec stuff, but I got other stuff. I got other more pressing things. And, um, 
you know, but hey, if 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 Rex Lentium reaches out to Pew Science, I would be happy to provide them with a quote for for a test program if they're interested in doing any R&D and understanding the performance of their silencers. I don't think I mean, they might be interested. I don't think they're interested in in research, dude. Like they're I mean, they may, they may be, I don't want to speak for them, but you gotta, you guys gotta know, you consumers out there, you gotta know that right now, if you can spell silencer, you can sell silencers. So a lot of the companies don't need to, um, necessarily understand the performance of their silencers to sell them in this market. Cause you guys are going to buy them. Maybe not you that's, that asked this question. Or maybe not some of you who listen to this podcast because you're, you're a little bit... Remember I was talking about earlier in this episode where you guys are a little bit more of a cut above in, in the in the silencer consumer realm. You're, you're the cross-section of silencer consumers. You guys are a little bit more high level. But um, don't be surprised if some of these silencer companies don't have any interest in Pew Science. I mean, they're... I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be interested in it if you if you want it as their, their customer. But if they can sell them without without using real data, then they're gonna keep selling them. This is this is money, man. This is how the world works. So, uh, I'm not trying. And I'm look. I'm not picking on Rex, Salentium, or I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying like these guys have known about Pew Science for over a year now, and I have never heard a peep from them. And I've heard from a lot of manufacturers so just saying i mean you asked all right that's my answer um topic 11 topic 11 question 11 i it's hard for me i i'm always i'm looking i'm used to looking at, at numbers telling you topics question 11 what's your prediction on the next big leap forward in the industry Huh. It's funny that this kind of feeds into that last topic about Rex Salentium. Um, I would say my prediction on the next big leap forward is probably silencer companies doing better R&D using the silencer sound standard. I think that's a big leap forward. And this is, uh, you know, the R&D cycle right now for sound is by using peak dB with whatever meters the manufacturers choose, like you know the slow primitive stuff, all the way up to the advanced data acquisition systems that capture fast, like pick one. I don't care. It doesn't matter. They're 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 gonna they're gonna meter their stuff at whatever distance they choose. They're gonna they're gonna get a peak number, and they're using them all the same way. All these companies they're using their meters the same way. They're using their DACs like cheap meters. That's what they're doing. I don't care if you're Joe Blow with a Walmart meter. Or your so-and-so company with the thirty thousand dollar data acquisition system. You're all—they're all using it the same way. They're not—they are not doing anything they couldn't do with something cheap because they're not using it to its potential. So you know, because they're not doing any real engineering analysis. So Pew Science is here to help them do that independently. You know, independently from whatever internal biases they have or methodologies that may skew results or whatever. And I tell you what, 
PewScience is significantly cheaper than them hiring dedicated engineers to do what PewScience does in-house. I promise you that. I know that because I am one. So it's really a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, dude. And that's why you asked me what I what my prediction is, the big leap forward in the industry. That's why I'm confident in saying this because it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer for the sponsor companies that are that are already PewScience clients. You see those. It's a no-brainer for them. So why, why wouldn't it be a no-brainer for, for, for more unless the other ones don't want to grow? If you're not growing, you're dying, man. So I expect... I expect this to grow. Um, I expect, I also, frankly, I expect the growth of companies who, who do not um, take advantage of Pew Science technology to have slower rates. And I, I that slower growth, rate, slower growth rates and slower tech growth. And I, I think their innovation is going to stall with the science or technology. That's what I think. I might come back and eat these words, but I don't think I will. I think I've been right so far started this company two years ago. I've been doing this publicly for a year. I think I've been right so far. Everything I've said has come true. So I'm pretty sure this is true. And I, I say, so that's my first, that's the next big leap forward. My, sec, my, 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 my other guess, prediction, to happen concurrently, because it's already happening, but this is going to be a little bit longer term and a little, this might be even bigger, is um, additive manufacturing and companies that use it um to address findings in the type of R&D deliverables that Pew Science can provide. I think that's that's part of the future here. I think and and you're seeing that right now. So you're you are literally seeing that happen right now. So I mean that's here. That's already here. So it, I mean not I mean and the the thing about that is that well that means that the people in their garages with lathes can't can't do xyz well can't do you can't use the lathe forever you know what i mean jelly bean all right question 12 do you have any sort of roadmap for what's to come sensor review wise um i have internal things but i don't give etas and i don't give hints really so Okay, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> um, um, I, I I need to test more 30, 30 caliber stuff too, honestly. And and five five six is on the horizon, so that's that that's the stuff that you need to be really concerned about right now. You're you you we're not done. We're not even close to done with stuff. And I know you're itching for certain stuff, but there's a lot to do. And no one said this was going to be easy. So that's that's all I can give you hint wise. We're I'm not going to give ETAs. It's just not going to happen because the because I can't. I just can't. It just there's the, there's too much stuff going on for me to be able to give you useful predictions. And then you're going to why would I even try? And then you're disappointed. It's a whole thing. It's like it's better that you just focus on what I release and um and that's all we're going to do until until Pew Science gets to some kind of critical mass where something major changes. Which hey, we're growing every day, but you know this is a long this is the long game and i understand that it can be painstaking to wait for this data <laughs> but look there's a reason no one's done this before because it's really hard 
And to do it at a pace that consumers would really want, you would have to do it full time. And I just can't right now. So I'm going as fast as I can. I really appreciate your your interest, and I'm really glad that you asked. I just cannot give you more details than that, um, you know, without just lying to you. And I don't want to do that. So, yeah. Question thirteen. Ar noob here. Hi, Ar noob. <laughs> Will you make a list of parts you approve specifically for suppressing? You know, man, I, t- I try not to recommend products. And regarding PewScience approved products, quote unquote, um, I really shy away from approving anything. I really do. And and this, I, I don't, I don't, I'm about to say something. I do not want this to sound conceited. But this is this is like stone cold facts for you. Like I'm a licensed engineer, dude. I'm a licensed and practicing engineer in multiple states. Me approving something, when I use the word approve, dude, that carries inherent liability. And some of you might be laughing and shaking your heads and rolling your eyes and stuff. And a lot of science or industry folks are going to laugh at that when I say that. But that's, and you know why they're going to do that? Because, well, because they're not licensed engineers and they don't understand lawsuits in the engineering world. And I don't care if there's not a precedent for it. There will be. And and I'll, I'll be the example they make. Trust me, dude. Like, trust me when I say no products are approved by me. No products will ever be approved by me. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um, now, if you want to list of some parts that I've had some good luck with suppressing ARs with, etc. Like, yeah, dude, I can do a whole episode on that. Like, that's different. That's different. Now, I know. Look, and I'm. I don't mean to be picky in this answer, and like kind of nickel and dime you here, and like kind of beat around the bush. Or, okay, I'm like using way too many cliches. Like, when I, I'm not trying to give you a lawyer answer, because uh, I'm not an attorney, but. You use the word approve in your question. And I know people like to use that in marketing. Like, oh, this this is XYZ brand approved stamp. And they put like a big old approved stamp on it. And they're like, this is this is YouTube star approved. Or, you know, or something like that. No, dude. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do it. Because if I approve something, that means that I am saying that it is fully endorsed by me to be used for something. And it's like, that means... That carries all the liability. Like, how on earth could I possibly do that without performing like an actual engineering engineering review? And then I would have to like approve only the design, right? And then and then after like then I would have to go and witness it through manufacturing. Like I would have to check the material specs. I would have to verify that. I would have to verify the, the 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 build. I would have to every step. I would have to shepherd that because I'd be the engineer of record, right? Like you guys. Like let me take a second here. I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but you guys do know. Like if there were actual, like functioning design engineers in the science or industry. At companies, you do know that you have way less failure rates, right? Like, if you had an actual 
like professional engineers shepherding the design from concept through final design to prototyping to final final construction you know i'm talking everything through like everything through the process like what do you think your failure rates would be like what as a percentage of units sold like do you think your failure rates would would go down or do you think they would go up you don't even have to be a technical person to answer that question right so look at the companies look at the companies that are doing i mean you're not going to get an exact answer doing this but like you can do your homework on this like if if i would never i would never i mean i'm talking about sponsors like you asked about ar parts dude i'm talking about silencers right now you see how many silencers freaking blow up you're asking about ar parts dude the the who knows who knows what vendors are making ar-15 parts oh my gosh and who's designing them and from what print and from what to, like what tolerances like what materials what manufacturing process what coding is there inspection are they inspecting it do they care is there even a name like what factory what anything like, oh my god what a nightmare yeah i'm never gonna if you see if you ever see something like that says pew science approved you need to email me immediately and if you're like using outlook or something use a little red exclamation point on that thing dude you'd be like jay so and so is saying this is pew science approved i'll be like thanks dude they're getting a cease and desist from my lawyer <laughs> <laughs> no, because seriously, like, I would never, I would never, ever say Pew Science approved. I, and have I bet, have I beat that dead horse yet? Okay, that horse is dead. Question 14. Kill two birds with one stone and set up a 25-yard pistol and a 100-yard rifle target for accuracy testing? I'm I'm only gonna assume you're you're, gentlemen, sir. Oh, and sorry, before I go on, uh, Mr. Ar Noob from the previous question. Thank you for asking that question. I did not mean to like be rude to you by answering the way I did. And I do want you to like enjoy yourself in the Ar hobby. And it does not mean I'm not gonna help you. It just means that I'm not gonna use that word approved. It was just a sticking point for me. So please email techatpusance.com. I will help you with your Ar stuff. Okay, adjustable gas block. H2 or H3 buffer. Keep your dwell time short. Make sure your gas port is close to your barrel muzzle as possible. We'll talk, okay? Okay. Back to question 14. The, the killing two birds with one stone, setting up a 25-yard 25 25-yard 25 pistol range, 100-yard rifle target for accuracy, accuracy testing. Um, I think what you're saying, sir, is you want me to combine accuracy testing with sound testing. Absolutely not. There is no way to perform sound testing and accuracy testing at the same time. There is no way, um, the, the, and the, there are technical reasons for this, and it's not something I'm going to go. I'm going to share publicly. It can't be done. Anyone who claims uh, that they're doing it is lying to you, and the results are garbage. So, if anyone wants to argue with me, they can. But I mean, they, they can try. Um, question fifteen: When will you test the Nomad? That's the Dead Air Nomad. Um, soon. The answer is soon. 
Question 16. Is there a formula for turning a pistol into a better sounding host? For example, a heavy spring or otherwise. <sighs> sort of. Good question. Really great question, dude. Sort of. Kind of. It de de depending on the host and the silencer, um, the problem with springs is that the spring force acts later in time due to uh, being dependent upon displacement. Um Man, I, I hate explaining this like this, but like, if you, man, if you like, if you, if you had differential equations, I could, I could give you a really good mathematical equation to explain this in an exact fashion. But, um, basically a, a really easy way to explain this is the spring, the recoil spring in a Glock. If you if you make it it's stronger, it's only gonna help when it's already unlocked. It's not gonna help as much from rest that you think from from closed as you think. Does that make sense? So like when it's just sitting there and you try to and you start to rack the slide, it, it the initial movement is still gonna be not hard. It is and it's gonna help. It's just not gonna help as much as you think. Okay, springs are just bad for this. Spring is spring is not your friend. I mean, it's your friend, but it's not your, like, ally when you're trying to achieve what you want to achieve with your thought here, sir. Now, changing the spring rate of the inertial decoupler spring. Now, now we're, we're cooking with, with grease here or, or gas or whatever. Um, it's a different story, you know, because, hey, the dead air Odessa originally came with, with some shims. I don't know if they still do that to pre-compress the spring. Um, there are things you can do. It's mad scientist stuff, bro. Um, I've tried it actually. I've, I've done a couple things. I have actually, I do have some test data in the Pew Science archives of heavy spring Glock tests, but it might not see the light of day for a while without more testing. I can't just release it because I, I'm very hesitant to release certain data just because of its its specialty and it's just not. You got to keep in mind what happens when I release data. There's like a ripple effect. Sometimes I, I start things that shouldn't be started and and people are like, oh my God, what about this? I'm like, oh crap. Yeah, you know, I don't want to go off on some kind of crazy tangent. So to answer your question, sir, um, not easily. Your best bet for semi-auto pistol is going to be finding one that has a great lockup. Don't don't try to polish a turd, so to speak. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? All right. Man, I was hoping I'd get at least 20 today. We're at 16. It's already an hour and 15 in. Plus, I had like a couple more topics. Yeah, I'm going to call this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call. I'm going to stop with with this question. I'm going to highlight it in my spreadsheet here. Highlight the row in Excel with a yellow band. That way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know where I left off. I'm going to go ahead and save this file. And... Um, that way, next episode, I can I can just make this a recurring segment for you guys until we're... Oh, my God. I just scrolled down to the spreadsheet and almost had a heart attack. Holy, holy cow. You guys are awesome, dude. The amount of... Oh, my God. I'm definitely not going to ask 
ask you to send me more questions until I'm done. Like this is, I guess you can. Maybe we'll just keep adding to this list. What if you know what would be really cool? I just thought about this, guys. What do we? Wouldn't it be cool if like I published these? What if we had like a coffee table book of these? Hmm. That is a thought, isn't it? That is definitely a thought. I always think about how I can distribute information in useful ways to you. I prepared, man, I don't know. Should I go on? No, I don't got time. I gotta do other stuff. All right. All right, we're gonna we're gonna table this. So so let the record show that we are gonna table it at after 16 questions for today. We have quite a few left. No problem. Gonna go ahead and I'm gonna I'm gonna close out of that. All right. Then what we're going to do now is we're going to hit go ahead and go into primary topic three at a time of one hour, 16 minutes, and 34 seconds. Topic three, new manufacturer support for Pew Science. It's an honor. Yeah. Um, real quick. This is just real quick. I wanted to highlight something that happened recently. Uh, as most of you are aware, um, some dealers, distributors, and manufacturers support Pew Science. That is something that I'm I'm pretty proud of, honestly, because this is the first and only, to my knowledge, public suppressed small arms research cooperative. I think this is the only type of re research cooperative of its kind um, ever in the history of small arms. Um, I don't think there is any, um, you know, John Titsworth back in the day had something called science or research, but he wasn't doing this like I am. And um, I mean, shout out to John. He's a good man. But the level of at which we're conducting this is um, it's and the rigor with which it's being accomplished is is significant. And, and that this is notable. This is a notable thing. And I'm it's. I know I own it and I do it and I run it and so it's easy for me to say nice things, but I just I want you to understand I I can really I can I can really actually say this objectively, um, just because of you know just the way that you know it, it, it's happening and it's progressing in the industry as a whole. Now, recently, the U.S. division of Fabrique Nationale threw their hat in the ring. Okay. This is a big deal. Now, I I did I spoke with one of their product managers and engineers, um, senior guy, senior senior guy. Um, he he is very familiar with small arm weapon system design, um, testing, evaluation, all that stuff. Man, he's a weapons developer. Man, these are these are the weapons developers. These are like the guys who are making. These are making. These are the guys making things happen for small arms. All right. Now, he is now a member of Pew Science. Okay. So, you know, advanced tier corporate member. This is this is real deal farm industry support um, endorsement here. Uh, FN can now use all of the public data available to members from PewScience.com. I mean, they can see it, dude. They can use that data. They're using that data now. They, I mean, if if not directly, 
it's going to bleed into him subconsciously because it's there. And so, sir, I know you are listening. Um, you told me you listened to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, your support means the world, and I'm not going to let you down. I promise. You're going to, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to like what you see, and I am going to keep going with this. So, what I did today, I uh, just want to tell you folks, what I did today was I put a lot, not all of them, but I did put a lot of the manufacturer um, and other entity brand logos on PewScience.com on the request for a quotation page. So, if you go to PewScience.com um, and you're like in the main like. All like you know, if you're looking at the reviews or whatever, if you go to services and support, or if you're on mobile and you go a little hamburger menu thingy, if you're on services and support, and you and you click on the little uh, get a quote, or on the sidebar there, if you um, go to um, you know request for quote there under manufacturer, distributor, and dealers, when there is a form there, that's the, the form that folks can use to submit. RFQs to Pew Science or or other things. Maybe they just want to use the website to send an inquiry. Um, on that page, I've put the logos of a lot of um, our Pew Science clients and the corporate members. And I did that today. Uh, it's funny. I was I was about to do it, and like a Pew Science member DM'd me on social media, and he's like, "Dude, you should like totally put logos of your corporate." members on there and I was like say no more fam because like I was literally about to do it um and I think um yeah is that I don't know is that is that bragging a little bit yeah probably is it marketing absolutely is it um important for people to see yeah I I I I really do think it is important for people to see and that's why I did it I, I would not put something on my website unless I thought it was important. And I I think that the reason it's important, or one of the reasons it's important, is because it shows industry buy-in at a, on, on, a, on a scale that is increasing positively. Okay? Like, the rate of increase um, is actually fairly linear, but the total scope of support is continuously increasing such that the end result is meaningful. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is the growth has been steady and compounding such that the type of support that Pew Science has now in the small in the, in the industry of of small arms is non-trivial. And if you go to that page, it's actually pewscience.com slash request dash four dash quote, or, you know, just go to the website and see it. Take a look. Take a look at who's on the list there publicly. And um, there are people that are there on there, not publicly, that just aren't shown. But there you go. And so those are people that are looking at all the data. When, when stuff's released, these folks look at it. The member data. These folks are are putting their money where, where, their, where their mouth is that believe in this stuff. They wouldn't believe in it. I mean, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be paying money if they didn't believe in it. So that's big. I like it. It's awesome. 
it's super motivating for me. I tell you what, man, this is like, this is my baby and I am doing it and it is hard. So that's cool. Super dope. Super, super psyched, psyched about it. Um, super stoked. Um, yeah. So it does also speak to the independent nature of Pew Science. Um, we are true independent, uh, a true independent third party. Okay. So no vested interest in any one manufacturer. I am here to provide you with objective data and advance the state of practice. Okay. Okay. So thanks again to, to Fabrique Nationale, the U.S. division of, of that company. They're gigantic. So, I mean, I, I, I can't even, really, it's a little bit, it's a lot to take in just thinking about it. But thank you, FN. Uh, it's huge. Uh, thank you, sir, to who I spoke with today. Um, I'm not going to give your name publicly on the podcast. I don't think that's something you want. Um, this is a huge deal. Um, let's make guns better, man, for everyone. This is exciting. I'm all in. Um, also, and you'll you'll see, guys, if you do go to that page and you are a government entity listening to this, of which I know there are some, um, our cage code and Dunn's numbers at the bottom there. So just in case you're wondering if I'm set up to help you, I'm set up to help you. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Topic four at a time of one hour. 25 minutes and four seconds. Welcome to all the new consumer Pew Science members. And thanks for your support. You know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the consumer members of Pew Science. This is very important. You folks, man, this is in some ways... I wouldn't say it's more important than manufacturers. I think it's just as important. And, you know, you folks, you throw your hat in the ring all the time. And I, I do appreciate it. I'll say it again. And this is exactly, this is just like I explained to the gentleman from FN today. All the public data you see on PewScience.com, that is all provided with support from PewScience member funding. Testing and engineering analysis is extremely costly. It is extremely costly. Pew Science members help offset some of this cost by joining. Okay? It doesn't it doesn't completely pay for everything. Trust me. It trust me. If it did, I would not have to keep working. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Like you don't even know. You don't even know. Um <laughs> I knew that you know what? You know how many people have told like if you only knew, like the engineers that I know and like I work with and talk to, and they're like, how much just they're like, are you even I'm like, yeah. They're like, are you how can you even I'm like, I know. I know. But I have a vision and I'm I'm sticking to the plan now. Your support is greatly appreciated. You know, I hope I do hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um you know, Pew Science members often ask me questions directly. They really do. You guys do not hold back. And we we converse about things um, via direct message, DM on Instagram sometimes, quite frequently actually when I have time, um, and uh, or email, for example. And you guys keep in mind, if you ever DM me or you email me and you don't get a response right away, um, I've usually seen it. And I just haven't gotten to it yet. I seldom ignore you. 
on purpose. And um, if sometimes I might miss an email though. So if, if, if like you send me an email and it's more than like a week, <laughs> you might want to email me again because chances are like it got pushed down because I get so many dang emails. It's one of those things, you know what I mean? Um, and it's hard. And I try to organize it, but it's like, you know how email goes. Um, today on this episode, perhaps some of the knowledge... Some of the answers will be distributed to an even larger audience because, you know, a lot of you guys, you're asking me questions personally, and sometimes that knowledge ends with you. Sometimes you ask me a question, and I get I always get a feeling that, that someone else is asking is has the same question, and oftentimes that's why I, I take a screenshot and I repost it to the story without your face or your name there because I want other people to see the answer. And, you know, you know there are some people who, who, who have actually criticized me for that and they say, Jay, this is so weird. Like you're posting conversations between you and someone else and we can't contribute. Like this is not how you should do things. And I I, I just thought that was a, such a strange thing for them to say. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, people ask questions all the time and I post their answers and people like that because they they, they're thinking the same thing. And they oftentimes people will email me or they'll DM me and say, man, I'm so glad you, you showed that because I didn't know this and that. I'm like, yeah, man, that's cool. So I don't understand why some people get bent out of shape when I do that. I don't know. But I think it's helping. I think, you know what? I, you, you can't please everybody. But I think, so I think today when I got to answer all the questions, like not all the questions, but a lot of the questions on this, I think it'll help. You let me know. Please, please give me feedback. You know, on the website, on the every podcast episode, you can give comments. People don't typically comment on them i don't think let me make sure i have that set up is, is maybe you're just maybe I'm, I'm wrong and you can't do it i'm gonna go to podcast no you can comment if you like people don't comment earlier on people were commenting but no people stopped so yeah so you can comment if you want um if you have comments or suggestions i'll see them there if you if you put them on the website and other people can too so maybe maybe you do that um I think it'll help a larger audience showing this stuff. I tell you what, I know it's going to help because this podcast is growing every day. I see it in the analytics, dude. And uh, I know the reach is, it's getting big. So I hope this helps folks on their quest to better understand suppressed small arms. Now, I think what I'm going to do, obviously, is I'm going to hit more of the questions each podcast. And um, I think it's going to be great. We're going to see how it goes, okay? So thanks all, uh, you know, all of you again for your support. I will talk to you folks again soon. If you don't get data this week, you'll get it again soon, I promise. All right? Stay safe out there, folks. All right, bye.